Hey, Changemakers, welcome back to the Engage for Good podcast. I'm your host, Allie Murphy. In a lot of my conversations recently, a theme, or I guess you could call it a question, has emerged. How do we support ourselves and our teams during these challenging times? In many of our Engage for Good member calls and member masterminds, leaders are asking how to create safe spaces, how to motivate their teams when they themselves are unmotivated, and how to move work forward when we're reading terrible news stories back to back to back. Whether you work at a nonprofit, a company, a corporation, a social enterprise, an agency, or somewhere else, what's going on in the world has an impact on you and your team. Given how tumultuous the last few months, okay, years have been, I wanted to bring on an expert to help us understand how to support ourselves and our teams when the news is terrible. To figure out how to navigate all of this, I invited Molly West Duffy to join us on the podcast. Molly is an author and organizational development expert. She's co-author of the Wall Street Journal bestseller, No Hard Feelings, The Secret Power of Embracing Emotions at Work, which is on my desk right next to me, and co-author of the new book, Big Feelings, How to Be Okay When Things Are Not Okay. She was previously an organizational design lead at global innovation firm IDEO and a research associate for the Dean of Harvard Business School. She's worked with companies of all sizes on organizational development, leadership development, and workplace culture. And today, she's going to share five tips for supporting your team when the news is terrible. In today's episode, we'll explore those five tips and how to implement them. How to acknowledge triggering events as a leader, even if you don't know what to say how to make it safe to talk about identity-based issues, how to build a foundation of trust with your team, how to create safe spaces for employees to have different reactions, how to help your team channel their energy towards positive change, ideas for how to show yourself and your team some grace. One of the most important things you can do as a manager and why the question, what has your attention as we start this meeting, is a great one to start your meetings with. And with that, let's dive in. Hey, Molly, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Absolutely. I am thrilled that you're here. I'm a big fan of your book, which I'll link to in the show notes, but we're actually here to talk about something else today. Before we dive in, would you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do? I am an expert in organizational development, learning and development, and I am the co-author of two books. One is called No Hard Feelings, Mm -hmm. The Secret Power of Embracing Emotions at Work, and the other is called Big Feelings, How to Be Okay When Things Are Not Okay, which just came out in April. We're going to talk about supporting your team when the news is terrible, and you have five tips that I want to dive into. So your first tip is don't pretend it's business as usual. What do you mean by this? And what are some actionable steps that leaders can take in this area? Sometimes leaders feel that it's not okay to waste time at work talking about things that are going on outside of work, or Mm -hmm. they are worried that it's too political, too divisive to talk about things that are going on in the news, or they think that they're going to say the wrong thing. And so yep. for for those reasons and probably more reasons, they think, okay, it's just better to not acknowledge what's going on in our world in the news and just keep working. 
we'll let you talk about that, you know, on your own time. And that may have been a strategy that worked a couple of decades ago. Um, and I think it's something that that feels safe to do, but in actuality, it can have a really bad impact on the morale of your team. Um, and there's a couple of reasons for that. One is that we are all humans when we go to work. Yes. Uh, at work, at home, all at the time. Yes. Um, we, we are uh, still seeing the news and still having emotions about the, the news. And so to say, okay, well, as soon as you open up your, um, you know, your Slack or your Teams or your email, now you're not going to have emotions about what's going on. Like, that's just not how it works. We're, yeah. we're humans and we don't get to turn those emotions off. And so then we feel like if our workplace is not acknowledging what's going on, that they're treating us like robots, that they're like, okay, well, you know, you have turned your, your emotions off now. And, and so we're not going to bring this up. So it's, it's really not a very human response um, mm -hmm. in to say, we're, we're going to pretend that this doesn't happen. And I hear all of the objections like, yes, it, it may be politically divisive, whatever's going on. And, and maybe you will say the wrong thing. But I think there's strategies to dealing with both those things, which we can get into. Yeah. Um, and just playing it safe is no longer the, the right answer. I think decades ago, you're right, it would have worked in today's day and age, especially... I won't say post-pandemic, but coming out of the pandemic, there's so many more topics that are kind of put center stage now. And these conversations are happening. So what are some of the strategies or what are some of the steps that leaders could take in this area so that they're not kind of sweeping things under the rug and ignoring them? Yeah. So the first one is, is starts with acknowledgement. Okay. Um, <laughs> so it, it, it feels like, you know, and I've seen leaders struggle with this. It's like, well, do I need to acknowledge every news event that goes on? And it's like, no, like, you, you know, I, you would be doing that every day. There's always something yeah. bad um, every day. But if there's something that happens that you know people are going to be distracted about, thinking about in an emotional way, then yes, you do need to acknowledge that. And you can get the help of somebody on your corporate communications team if you have that. If not, you know, another colleague, someone in HR could be good for that. But um, sending out an email or even better, mentioning it in your all staff meeting um, is the first place to start. And you can even say, I don't know how to talk about this or yeah. I'm and that vulnerability I think is key. Yes, exactly. Or, you know, I'm, I'm sort of afraid of, of what is going to, you know, of what's going to happen in the future, you know, being vulnerable, especially we saw this during COVID where it's like, well, I don't have the answers, but you can just say, well, I'm sitting in the same anxiety that you are. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I wish that I could give you more certainty, but I can't right now. That's totally an acceptable thing to share. Um, so it's just amazing, um, you know, how often just that as like a, a starting point can be really helpful. Um, you know, I think the other thing to, to think about is um, what you as a leader, um, are you going to take a stand on that? Um, mm -hmm. And I know you get into this with with your with your podcast, and and I think that is really going to vary. I don't have a, a clear answer for everyone, but I think as a leader and knowing, um, you know, your where your moral ground stands and where your organization's moral ground stands, 
you can take a stand. Um, so mm-hmm. we don't have to be neutral always. Um, you know, sometimes it's just like, you know, this tragic thing has happened and we wish that this tragic thing wouldn't happen. But other times political things have happened and it's okay to to take a stand. Um, and, you know, is, uh, we've had a lot of responses to mass shootings that CEOs right. have said, you know, I... I do not agree that the way that our, our country's handling this and, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. The, the last thing is to provide a path forward. Um, and we can talk more about this, but that is, here's what we're going to do about it. So as leaders, we want to see people acknowledge it, get vulnerable about it, and then say, as a company or as an organization, here's how we're going to support you, or here's some next steps for us talking about these things. There's a nice spectrum of if you're ready to take an action and take a stance and do that publicly, you can. But that doesn't have to be the first step. The first step can be the acknowledgement of there are things going on and I don't know what our next step is, but I'm here with you. And I think that's a really important point. Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, before you acknowledge it externally or take a public stand, you got to take care of your people first. So that might mean yep. creating like a an opt-in space for people to process their emotions, um, which we could talk about and might mean offering paid time off, sharing resources, something like that internally. Mm-hmm. Okay, so your next tip shifts gears a little bit, but it says make it safe to talk about identity-based issues before crises happen. How can listeners start to go about that? I think for some, while important, that's probably incredibly intimidating. There's really interesting research that making space for talking about things that come up and having regular conversations then makes it more safe for when these, um, and in the research, they call them mega threats. Um, And these are these big events that happen, um, especially to certain groups at work. So um, certain minority groups at work may experience mega threats by what being caused in the news because they they may feel unsafe. So Mm -hmm. if you're a targeted minority, and something happens in the news, you will be at work thinking about your personal safety, your family safety, your community safety, which is, of course, so distracting, right? You're at work, you're just trying to do your work. And yet, like, of course, you, how would you not have these emotional reactions to these really horrific things? So it's, we can't go from like, not talking at all about these things to suddenly having people feel safe at work saying, I'm, I fear for the safety of my community and my family. Like that's just- You need a foundation first. You need a foundation, yeah. So creating an environment where you're talking about um, these differences and highlighting in conversations before an event happens. And then when an event happens, they feel safe going to a manager and saying, yeah, I'm not doing well. Because as you know, I've already been thinking about this topic or you already know some background of what's happening in my family or my community. Um, And so- how do we do that? So how do we create space for that? So some mm-hmm. of that is is training on how to have those conversations, having shared language around that. Some of it is just putting time on the calendar. So I used to work for an organization where we had every other week, we had something called brain trusts, which is okay. um, the whole company came together, split up into breakout rooms that rotated. So we were meeting with, with new people and there was a conversation topic. And sometimes it was about what was going on in the news. Sometimes it was about, um, you know, what did you do over the weekend? Sometimes, or the mm-hmm. summer, sometimes it was, the, um, you know, we're trying to solve this issue internally. But it was a regular time when people got more and more comfortable sharing. Um, and so it just takes time and practice. 
Okay, so that's kind of tip number three as well of creating safe spaces. Are there other ways that you've seen leaders do this? And maybe it's not necessarily, well, I love the example you shared of these breakout rooms that shift around, but are there also components that maybe a leader could do in their one-on-one meetings with their direct reports to start cultivating that foundation? Yes. Yeah. So in one-on-ones, which by the way, is like the number one thing that managers should have in their toolkit. Like if you're not having one-on-ones, go read our book. <laughs> um, but it's so <laughs> One-on-ones important. are great. They, um, when done well. Okay. Continue. Yes. When done well. But um, so one, you can have a couple of questions that you ask on a, on a repeating basis. So we recommend asking things like, um, you know, what was a personal win for you or what was a challenge for you this week? And mm-hmm. saying, it's okay if some of those things are not work-related. Like if you're dealing with a challenge outside of work, I want to hear about it. Um, what might be distracting for you right now? What might be um, needing uh, something that's causing you to need more flexibility? Mm-hmm. So these are ways into some of these conversations for things that are happening connected to your identity outside of work that start to open up those conversations. And I think that's a relatively safe space to start because you're not like, okay, we're going to have an all hands meeting where we're going to start talking about things like this for the first time. But you can add one question a week to your one on one that you're not familiar with and you haven't used before as kind of a stepping stone to start bridging these gaps. Yes. Yeah, that's a great point. Thanks for saying that. Yeah. Okay. so. This one might be hard for people who enjoy a certain level of control. I'm definitely not talking about myself here, maybe a little bit, or Mm -hmm. people that take great pride in their work, but you advise intentionally letting some things go, which is really important. I think it has two prongs. So let's start with the individual. How can people do this for themselves? How can they intentionally let things go and be kind of okay with that and show themselves some grace? Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, So... If you're feeling overwhelmed because of what's going on in the news, that that would be a time to not put extra pressure on yourself. Mm-hmm. So um, in a work context, that might say, you might say something like, I'm going to move this meeting to next week. Or okay. instead of having a meeting, can we check in on this over email? Um, you might say to a you know non-urgent task, okay, I'm going to deal with that next week. Um, so it's, it's adjusting your expectations and showing yourself a little bit of kindness and relief, mm-hmm. um, or in your personal life, I'm going to order takeout, you know, I, I am um, not going to force myself to cook or whatever it is that you're just adding in a little bit more kindness to yourself in an already really tough week. And how can they support their teams in this way? Some of them yeah. are probably similar, but do you have any other kind of tips or tactics that come to mind? Yeah. So, so again, understanding that, um, What's going through your team's mind is, again, they're trying to focus on work, and yet it's really distracting that they're thinking about these mega threats, as we mentioned, or even more generally uncertainty and anxiety of things that are happening in the news. And so you, your role as a manager is to not be an additional source of stress for them. Right. Ideally, you're never an additional source of stress for them, but especially <laughs> during these these weeks. Um, so you could ask your direct reports to come to your next one-on-one meeting. As we mentioned, this is why it's important to have these regularly and say, bring to me everything that's on your plate. And I want to help you prioritize so that you can more easily balance and invest in your mental health. 
and go through each of them and understand which ones are priorities, which ones could be delegated if there's someone to delegate to, which ones could be pushed back or, or removed. And it's just acknowledging you're going to have a little bit less mental capacity this week or this month because of what's going on. And I want to help you with that. Okay. I love all of these points, which brings us to our last tip, which is help your team channel their energy towards a positive change. I love this idea. And I think it's a particularly good fit for our industry in the social impact space. What are some ways listeners could go about helping their teams channel their energy in this way? In the book, we write about big feelings and Mm -hmm. anger being a a one that comes up quite frequently in the workplace around dealing with difficult news. And that there's always an underlying need that that emotion is um, trying to get you to pay attention to, right? So we have emotions for a reason. They're they're biological um, expressions of deeper needs. And a lot of times we suppress them, like, we don't want to feel angry. And so we, we're not going to feel angry. We're going to push that to the side. Or we've learned that those emotions are not appropriate to share. And in our mm-hmm. uh, lived experience, our family of origin, those emotions were not okay or they were scary in some way. Um, but listening to them, learning how to listen to them as an adult, and I've had to do this, can be really healthy. And so anger, it can actually be a form of um, compassion. So anger can express you know, compassion for, for people who are not doing well, a desire for a better world. Um, and so, you know, taking something like racial injustice, anger can be a real source of motivation. Like I'm eager okay. to do something about this. Um, so yelling and screaming, still not okay in a workplace. You know, correct. <laughs> but um, you can tell your team, like, how can we channel some of this anger or despair towards improving a situation? And can you share an example of a team that did this to kind of bring this idea to life? Sure. So we have a friend, Joy, who um, she was part of a Slack group. Um, she's Black, and the Slack group had many of her Black friends in it. And after George Floyd's murder, they were talking about how tired they were, watching the news, feeling desensitized. And they were like, we need to do something about this. Um, mm-hmm. So they, a couple of people in the Slack group suggested hosting a Juneteenth celebration. And when the, when a couple of people suggested that, the group realized that a lot of them actually didn't know about what it stood for. And so they created a website. It was called hellajuneteenth.com. That would help people learn about the holiday and, and why we should... Uh, celebrate it. And then they decided that they were going to take that day off and encourage other people to do the same. So they started circulating the website and getting a bunch of companies. And then the CEO of Twitter, Jack Dorsey, he tweeted a link to the site. And then over the next two weeks, more than 650 companies, including TikTok, McKinsey, Netflix, MasterCard, they all publicly committed to observing Juneteenth on the website. And then the, a PR company stepped in and took them on as a wow. pro bono client. And this is in 2020. And mm-hmm. then a year later in 2021, President Biden signed the bill into law making it a national holiday. Um, and, you know, it they were able to create a huge institutional change. Um, it started Which is from, amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. And I, I'm not saying like this is going to happen with everyone. Obviously, this is like a series of of events that are not going to happen for every group. Mm-hmm. But I think it's still really inspiring. 
I think so. And it's I think it illustrates what could happen in some cases. And that doesn't mean that that's what have to, people have to go for. Right. But channeling that anger into what can I do? What can our team do? How do we want to respond? And taking some sort of action, I think, does a, it does a lot for the world. And it also does a lot for us as individuals. Yeah. Yeah. So you close with a really powerful statement. And it's an important one, which I completely agree with. And I also think that it can be easier said than done for some. So it reads, if there's one thing you can do as a manager or employee, it's to allow yourself and those around you to feel okay about not feeling okay. Mm -hmm. What would you advise to those who don't even know where to start with this? Well, it's our society is telling us that we need to feel good and put all that to the side when we come to work. And I think we could go into the you know late capitalist nature of our workplaces and what's expected of us. Um, like I said, it's sometimes like we feel like we need to be robots, not humans. Yeah. I think one place to start would be to recognize that people are going to have different reactions and that it's okay to have those different reactions. So mm-hmm. some we're, we're so myopic sometimes where it's like, well, how do I want to deal with a difficult situation? That must be how everyone else is going to want to deal with a difficult situation. That's usually not true. So um, some people may find comfort in talking about what they're feeling and really want to get into it with their colleagues or their boss. Others may be too overwhelmed, upset, or exhausted to say anything. And just making both of those things okay. It's okay if you want to talk about it. It's also okay if you don't want to talk about it. Um, and so providing optional time and space for people who want to get together and share their emotions, having somebody who's trained in facilitation, like an HR lead guiding the conversation, making it mm-hmm. safe to, to, to share, but also not making that required. Um, so in the example I mentioned earlier about the brain trusts, when we were talking about tough stuff that's happening in the news, we made those sessions optional. So it's like, if you want to come, great. If not, totally understand Take the time back for yourself. So the opportunity is there, but it's not a requirement. And people can opt in if that's the right thing for them or opt out if it's not. Yeah. Yeah. And just giving people the space that they need. So if, you know, when in doubt, you know, if you want to take the day off tomorrow, please do so. Um, saw this happen when the Roe v. Wade announcement was, mm-hmm. was made. Um, do you want to reschedule this meeting? I saw a lot of people doing that over the afternoon, just letting people have the space that they need. Right. If you had to pick, maybe not your top tip, but one tip that you want to leave listeners with related to this topic, what piece of advice would that be? Setting regular time to have conversations is really important. So whether that's okay. a brain trust, a one-on-one, um, a, a time for teams to do a check-in. So mm-hmm. um, we recommend that teams start their meetings by doing what we call a check-in round, which is saying something like, what has your attention as we start this meeting? Oh, I like that. Yeah, so it's a really broad question and it allows people to say, oh, I'm coming out of a meeting and I was really distracted or yeah, like I'm being affected by what's going on in the news. Um, just again, acknowledging we're all humans, we're coming into these meetings in, in different emotional spaces. So when we, when we don't make this part of our routine, our agenda, our schedule, our calendar, these conversations don't happen because they feel awkward. Mm-hmm. So, so really scheduling them in and recommend. Oh, I love that. And I'm, I wrote this piece down and I'm going to start asking at the beginning of meetings. Nice. So Molly, this has been such a wonderful conversation. Where can people learn more about you and your work if they'd like to do that? 
Yes. So we are on Instagram and Twitter at Liz and Molly and it's Molly with an IE. And our website is lizandmolly.com and you can find the new book, Big Feelings, anywhere books are sold. Wonderful. So I have the other one sitting on my desk next to me. Big Feelings is probably gonna be the next one that I pick up. Well, Molly, thanks so much for joining me. And it was a pleasure to get to learn more about what you do and have you share your insights with our community. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. The Engage for Good podcast is produced in partnership with True Story FM, engineering by Pete Wright. Music this week is by Yehish Raz and Rex Banner. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, we hope you'll consider doing just that for our show. But the best thing you can do to support Engage for Good is simply to share the show with a friend or colleague. Thank you for listening.